0: Welcome to episode 7 of the new Renaissance Bookcast with me, David Lorimer, from the Scientific and Medical Network. Each episode I review one or two significant books across a number of disciplines, including science, health, philosophy, spirituality, psychology, ecology and politics. In this episode, my choice is related to a webinar we had with Dr. Jim Garrison recently of Humanity Rising, where the theme of regeneration was prominent. Sustainable development is insufficient. I think we need regenerative development and a recreation of biodiversity, as Sir David Attenborough advocates in his recent book and film, what he calls his witness statement, A Life on Our Planet. The title I gave for my review of this book in 2013 was The Regeneration Revolution, and I think its message is, if anything, even more urgent seven years on. It's Global Awakening by Michael Shacker, published in 2012 at the Park Street Press. This is undoubtedly one of the most important books I will review this year, and, as it suggests on the jacket, it is a book that, quote, belongs in the library of every awakened activist. Michael Shacker's previous book, A Spring Without Bees, is a microcosm of what he calls the mechanistic dilemma that we face as a culture. He will be pleased to learn that at least some neocotinoid pesticides have been banned in Europe this week. While he was still working on this major book, he suffered a stroke, but happily has made a good recovery. The trajectory outlining the historical text of our systemic, um, of our system, the trajectory outlining the historical context of our system will be novel to most readers as he draws original parallels between the 18th century enlightenment and our own time in terms of scientific, spiritual and social development. In addition some of the thinkers and activists cited were new to me along with many better known figures. The author states starkly at the beginning of the book that without change there is no hope. Mechanistic science and technology have given us the modern world But have also thrown up challenges and dilemmas that cannot be solved within this framework, since the framework and its thinking are an intrinsic part of the problem. We are told that we live in a meaningless and purposeless world, so we may as well get on with consuming as much as possible and despoiling the earth in the process. Readers of this journal will know that there is an entirely different current of thought represented here as the organic shift. is currently marginalised but will need to come increasingly into the mainstream. At the moment, we have an ideological struggle with virtually all the power vested in the establishment, which is using various methods of fear-inducing control to maintain its position, even more so now in 2020 than in 2013. However, as Arnold Toynbee pointed out, Fritjof Kapp reminded us in his book, The Turning Point, over 30 years ago there is a creative minority articulating a new holistic worldview and the network forms a part of this movement. The first few chapters are devoted to describing the historical stages of the 18th century enlightenment that replaced the medieval theocratic and monarchical worldview. The key figures are Kant and Goethe as the Copernicus and Galileo of the new thinking. With his revolution in epistemology Kant paved the way for the science of consciousness and participatory interpretations of quantum mechanics, while Goethe invented an entirely new scientific method that is only now gaining more widespread acceptance 200 years later. A significant role was played by Voltaire with his powers of rhetoric and persuasion in formulating a new story. The author explains the importance of Kant's homo noumenon, which he interprets both as a moral man and a form of transcendental awareness, a collective spiritual consciousness that we see emerging in our time. The chapter on Goethe also includes his classification and all four types of scientists, which I had not come across before. At the lowest level of the ladder are users, then come knowers, followed by beholders, and finally what he calls encompassers. The last type of scientist uses a participating method, implying imagination and intuition to see the whole. As Shaka puts it, since human beings have within themselves the same essence that makes up the universal being and nature, human intuition had the ability to envision that essence essence in its mind. The next three chapters analyzed the organic shift in science and technology. The Social and Civil Rights Revolution, and Organic Countercultures, and The New Artist. Here, the author uses his extensive sources and powers of analysis to synthesize um, and produce a fascinating new understanding of the most important ideas and figures. He explains the significance of thinkers like Henri Bergson, William James, Ernst Haeckel, Aldo Leopold, William Dilphy, and Hans Christian Smuts. He then moves on to the history of medicine explaining its evolution in the 19th century America and the takeover by the AMA following the Flexner report of 1913 funded by the Carnegie and Rockefeller foundations. This paved the way for modern biomedicine and the hegemonic control of the entire profession by the pharmaceutical industry. Still the case today. It was interesting to learn that the FDA is largely funded by the industry which helps explain its intense antagonism towards natural medicine. We also learn of early work in solar power, including contributions by Becquerel and Hertz. Enormous progress was made at the turn of the 20th century, much of which was lost following the devastating impact of the First World War. At one point, an electric car held the land speed record. Shifting to agriculture, Shaka discusses the contributions of George Washington Carver and Sir Albert Howard on soil health, concluding that we have reached a crossroads in the history of science and technology. We can either continue down the road of oil, gas and nuclear power, using up the last of our uranium in the process, or we can go down the path of organic science and low-impact renewable energy technology. We all know that the current power structure supports a fossil fuel and nuclear future, this may be in the process of unravelling. The civil rights chapter covers the origins of feminism in the late 18th century, then abolitionism and pacifism. Key figures are Mary Wollstonecraft, Judith Murray and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Then we reach the suffragettes, Walt Whitman and Gay Liberation, the emergence of socialism and the labor union movement, then the peace movement and anti-imperialist league supported by Andrew Carnegie, his friend Mark Twain and William James. Carnegie even offered President McKinley $20 million to buy the Philippines and give them back their independence. In this and the next chapter, one realizes the full psychological, social, and spiritual and economic impact of the First World War. On the one hand, we reach a metaphysics of despair, but on the other, the seeds of a new counterculture were already sprouting in that era and re-emerged as the 50s and 60s. It is interesting that world trade did not recover its pre-First World War levels until 1980. There is extensive treatment of oil-powered corporatism versus environmentalism, and the role paid played by PR Mind Control, developed by Edward Bernays in the late 1920s. The chapter on art begins with William Blake, moving on to the Romantics, the American transcendentalists like Emerson, the invention of voluntary simplicity and civil disobedience by Thoreau, new thought, the arrival of the Bohemians in New York, the influence of Impressionism, and the new spirituality represented by the Parliament of Religions in 1893, as well as the publication of Sir Edwin Arnold's The Light of Asia in 1878. Since that time, Eastern ideas have gained enormous influence the conservation movement initiated by John Muir and taken up by Theodore Roosevelt continued to gain momentum. There is a fascinating account of Bohemia's queen, queen, Mabel Dodge, and her role as a full-time change agent <clears throat> in both Greenwich and American Indian cultures. Finally, the chapter converges on Gandhi and his pivotal influence. The book now moves on to an extensive consideration of Teilhard de Chalda before tracing the historical phases of the current organic shift from 1950 to 1975, the conservative backlash from 1976 to 1990, the intensive phase of 1991 to 2011, and the transformational phase of 2012 to 2050. Once again, these chapters are full of fascinating analysis, including sections on Rachel Carson, Women's Liberation, the anti-nuclear movement and movement in Vietnam, Abraham Maslow, Esalen, Martin Luther King, and the photo of the whole earth. Then there are sections on Buckminster Fuller, Ludwig von Bertalanffy, Joseph Campbell, Theodore Roszak, E.F. Schumacher, James Lovelock and many others. Some of the key books are highlighted, almost all of which I've read over the last 30 years. The Reagan administration is subjected to considerable scrutiny especially in its attitude towards the environment and the enormous arms build up that resulted in a massive increase in national debt. The last three chapters bring the story up to date with particular emphasis on the work of Robert Rodale in regenerative agriculture. The core interlinked areas of crises are the environment, agriculture, economics, foreign policy, energy, education and health. Each of these has a systemic relationship with the others which is spelled out in the global regeneration chart that can be viewed at the global regeneration work at www.globalregen.net. Shaka advocates the regenerative zone development method of Robert Rodale and explains how it works and indeed has worked in Dominica and Senegal. We also need a regenerative medicine which will be partly driven by medical costs currently spiralling out of control. He sketches out further elements of the regeneration revolution with agendas for government, planning, corporations and institutions. This is radically visionary but it will only come about if enough of us support and implement the changes in our own lives. The reader gains a better understanding of the interconnectedness of these factors through through, and through the Global Regeneration Plan chart on page 366 which resembles work done by my International Futures Forum colleague Tony Hodgson on his world model and you can see some of this on www.internationalfuturesforum.com It is clear from this remarkable book that we do have the capacity to regenerate natural systems and achieve a sustainable lifestyle However, there is a great deal of paradigm resistance and entrenched power structures that are currently pursuing an agenda of global domination, as explained in the film Thrive and recently in Thrive 2. See www.thrivemovement.com. One source of hope is the huge demographic transition that is now taking place and which was partly responsible for the re-election of Obama last year. And of course we are now in a different situation after four years of uh, Donald Trump. (coughs) Shaka also sketches out a likely future scenario in terms of causes, trends and events, which requires democratic participation in order to shift the systems. He proposes a new Marshall Plan, setting out the details in a comprehensive series of charts relating each of the major factors to all the others. This requires detailed study. He also proposes a new global curriculum based on an integrated narrative with the meaning of history at its core then a synoptic history of consciousness, and only thereafter what he calls the detail. As I've written in my review of William Damon's book on Purpose elsewhere in the same issue, the new education has to show how young people can find a path of purpose in life and understand the world within a multidisciplinary framework. Even in a book of this scope I noticed a few gaps. There's no mention of the work of Alfred Russell Wallace or the influence of Tol- Tolstoy on Gandhi. Likewise, Swedenborg, Hegel and Schelling are absent, as is the contribution of Radhakrishnan to religion in the 20th century, and the work of Lewis Mumford. In terms of new science, mention might also have been made of the work of Victor Schauberger. Notwithstanding these omissions, this is one of the most important books you can read this year and I look forward to discussing it with other network members. So this is a review um, from a number of years ago, but I hope it will encourage you to go back and read this really important radical and seminal book for yourself.